Welcome to the British American Football Coaches Association podcast, a resource designed to support both British football coaches and coaches from around the world. This podcast features special guests discussing techniques, scheme, philosophies and culture for the sport of American football to help develop and grow the game worldwide. Now here's your host, Adam Lillis. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast. In a month's time, we would have normally had the BAFCA convention. Um, obviously, this year it won't be going ahead due to the uh, the recent events with the pandemic. But keep an eye on the BAFCA news and the, the Facebook page to keep up to date on what's going to be happening uh, in, in its place. Keep the weekend of the 3rd, 4th and 5th of July free as much as possible to see what material that you can access on behalf of BAFCA. Today's uh, interview will be with the cornerbacks coach of the University of Maine, Coach Reggie Garrett. So let's listen into what Coach Garrett has to say. Hello and welcome to the BAFCA Coaching Podcast with me, your host, Adam Lillis. I'm delighted to be joined today by the cornerbacks coach of the University of Maine Black Bears, Coach Reggie Garrett. Coach, how are you doing today? Well, Adam, thank you for having me. No, absolute pleasure, Coach. Um, pleased to have you on. Um, so, first things I like to do with uh, guests on the show is give the coach uh, an opportunity to just give a bit of background about how they first got into football, how they progressed into coaching, how they got to their current role with you at the University of Maine. Um, so, would you like to go through your background for the listeners that may not know who you are? Uh, yeah, so uh, originally I'm from... Uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, it's on the uh, East Coast, you know, a nice area, very, football is very important down, down here where I'm from. Uh, my, my dad was a high school coach, uh, head coach for, for a long time, so kind of grew up in the sport. Um, I played my college football at Norfolk State University. It's a historical black college in Norfolk, Virginia, so not that far, you know, from where I'm from. Um, was a quarterback, you know, when I first started at uh, NSU and you know only one quarterback can play and I wasn't playing much so I had to figure out a way to get on the field um, I ended up moving to wide receiver in my sophomore year and ended up starting for the last three years of my career there um, so that was you know extremely proud of, of what we did there um, you know, and it helped me kind of vault myself into uh, the coaching world uh, while I was in school, you know, the coaches always said I had a mind for coaching. And that was pretty much one of the top things I wanted to do when I got out to, to, to trying to jump into coaching. So my very first coaching job uh, was at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, my quarterback's coach in college, he was currently working there and just happened to give me a phone call one day when I had, I think I was probably like three months out of college, uh, just working, you know, IT job. And he's like, man, look, uh, we're not very good up here right now, um, but there's an opportunity for you. And if you want it, I'm pretty sure you can have it. You know, the, the head coach is, he trusts me and, and his opinion, and, uh, you know, his opinion about me. So I got a phone call from head coach. He said that I want it. And I told him, yeah, it was like a Sunday. I was there by Wednesday. Um, so that was the first year I was there for one year. Um, and I was the assistant cornerbacks coach. Um, 
essentially a, a restricted earnings, meaning I wasn't full-time. I was basically a part-time coach uh, with full-time responsibilities. Um, and then, and I had never coached on defense at first. So, I mean, that was my first experience coaching and I was on defense, so it was really good. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches tell you when you get into coaching, if you play one side of the ball, you should go and coach on the other side because it gives you the knowledge of the, of the whole thing. Um, so that was great for me to do that. Uh, little did I know that I would stay on the defensive side throughout my career. So my next job was at um, university, uh, Pace University, uh, which is in uh, New York. And I was there my first time as a full-time coach there. So I got a phone call from a guy named Andy Rondo. Um, and he had previously been the defensive coordinator at Old Dominion University in Virginia. And, you know, he was starting up, kind of rebuilding the program there at Pace. Uh, they had not been very good for, for a while. And he just wanted a lot of young coaches to come in and have the energy and be able to kind of try to turn this thing around. Um, so I was, I was young. I was 24 when I got that job. And um, you know, I had a, I had the defensive backs. I had to hold the corners and the safeties. So I had about 17, 18 guys in the room. And that was really the first time I had a chance to have my own room and put my own imprint uh, on a bunch of guys. And I had a ton of fun doing that. Um, like I said, we, we weren't necessarily very good. So it wasn't a ton of pressure from, you know, administration for us to make sure we go out and win nine, 10 games a year. Um, for us, it was building the culture um, and, and building up the players and developing them. So I, I got a lot of practice in developing players, kind of doing some techniques that would be a little bit different, try, trial and error. So I, I, I mean, I, I would you know, say that being at pace helped me push myself, you know, to another level because I got to try so much, so many different things. And the head coach was all for all of that. Um, my voice meant something in a meeting room, so in the staff room as well. So that was that was a very enjoyable situation. Um, as my second year being there, after I finished my second year, I was there for two years. Um, I wanted the I wanted the opportunity to one go get my master's, and two go coach at one of the higher levels in, in college football. And I actually had the opportunity to go to Temple University, which is in Philadelphia. Um, and it's a, a FBS school. It's in the CAA conference, which, uh, I mean, excuse me, the American, uh, the AAC uh, conference. And, you know, it's, it has like Memphis of the world. It has UCF that, you know, went on the crazy run last couple of years. Um, you know, very competitive football that, you know, a lot of people respect. And the head coach of that program, who is now the current head coach of the Carolina Panthers, is Matt Rule. Um, and so I went to Temple. I was a graduate assistant on the defense for uh, two years. Uh, my first year I was with the safeties, and I was under current defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, uh, Phil Snow. And under Coach Snow was kind of where my knowledge of the game, you know, bolted. Um, coach Snow was, was an older guy. He's extremely detailed. Uh, was an NFL guy before that, coached with the Lions before he uh, came to Temple. And you know, I, I learned a ton about just how you prepare a meeting, uh, understanding, you know, offenses, run fits, um, you know, just how you run your individual in practice, where you need to stand as a coach, 
when you're watching your guys an individual, what where your eyes should be uh, when we're doing seven on seven, uh, team periods, how and then you know of course how to run a defense, you know, the discipline, the uh, attitude you got to bring every day, and I, I really appreciate you know Coach Snow and what he taught me uh, while I was there. Um, they ended up moving on after our first year. We won the conference. Um, and then he left, Coach Rule left and took his staff to Baylor. I ended up staying back and working with uh, Jeff Collins, who is currently the head coach at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And his staff really kind of put me in a, in a state where I learned a ton about um, just how to manage teams, and building teams. Um, he was a, he's a, I don't know if you see him on social media, Jeff Collins. You should go and check out Georgia Tech's social media, but they do a great job of exposure for their team and their and their players, and getting them out and you know so people know about them, and they do a good job recruiting. Um, so I ended up being, you know, after I graduated, he hired me as the director of player personnel, uh, which is the same job he held at Georgia Tech when he was uh, he was uh, actually the Alabama where he was the player personnel under Nick Saban, uh, which Nick Saban is the head coach of Alabama, Chris and Todd. I'm sure everybody uh, knows a little bit about them um, and what they do. And so he he comes from a cream of the crop, understanding recruiting, uh, the things that he took away from that program in Alabama. So, you know, I had a, I had a very good mentor for a year and a half to help me in my, you know, building of understanding recruiting, understanding how to build programs, understanding what it takes to be a head coach. Um, I've not reached that goal, but of course that's, you know, eventually one of my goals to be that. Um, so after Coach Collins left and went to Georgia Tech, I was still at Temple for another year or another another couple of months and when they had new head coach came in and his name is Rod Carey, who's from Northern Illinois. Coach Carey was very good to me. I helped, you know, bring in his staff and teach him kind of the ins and outs of the Temple program, the players. The recruiting and everything, so he he was you know very on board with trying to give me an opportunity to go get on the field again. So, you know, when you're doing the recruiting stuff, you don't you don't coach as much. So I, I was missing coaching a lot, and I got a phone call, you know, saying, "Hey, you know, I got this job at Maine, and uh, you know, we know you. They, they, those guys at Maine have been down to the Temple uh, summer camps where we, they evaluate players a lot. So they those guys knew me." Um, and, you know, they gave me the opportunity to get back on the field and coach. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm the corners coach at Maine, and I've been there for a season now. Uh, we were 6-6 six and six last year. Um, you know, we felt like we were going to be a really, really good team. We had some injuries to really key players throughout the season. Um, but we, we feel very good about this next upcoming season. Hopefully, you know, COVID doesn't ruin it. But um, you know, I'm, I'm excited for, for what we have in the future and you know, happy to be a Black Bear. That's great, Coach. And there's so many things you, you said there that I want to pick into. And I'm going to pick some of the, the key ones for me due to our limited time. But I find it really interesting that it sounds like you played the majority of your sort of college career playing quarterback and receiver, and just being on the offensive side of the ball, and then spent the entirety of your deep uh, coaching career coaching on the defensive side of the ball. And you touched on it a little bit earlier, but how much how key was it for you to know how to play receiver in order to 
coach corners and safeties? Oh, yeah. So that's actually one of the things that I feel I bring to the table that's different than most defensive back coaches is that I played offense and I played quarterback and I played receiver. And I know what offenses want to do. I know what quarterbacks want to do. I know what how a receiver wants to release off the line of scrimmage. And so that's that's the, the, the part where when I walk into a room of D, DBs for the first time, the guys that don't know me, uh, they, if they've if they ever look, looked at my resume and said, well, this guy was a receiver, he didn't play DB, how's he going to teach me how to play DB? You know, it's, it's a big thing like, hey, look, I know exactly what the guy that you're trying to defend is trying to do. And so teaching those guys, like, the ins and outs of route running, uh, teaching them where quarterbacks' progressions are in, in a play, where their eyes are going to be, how can we – you know, that helps guys learn how to – disguise how to play the game with the quarterback um, for the corners. It helps them understand, you know, it has a, they have a really good feel of what routes coming, you know, just because of a, a split, you know, depending on the release. You know, we, I, I jog through the routes with those guys like all the time. Um, and I talk to them about, Hey, this guy has a tendency to run this type of route. And these offices run these type of routes on this time of down and distance. So you should anticipate, you know, that. And part of playing DB is there is part of it. A lot of it is read and react, of course. Um, but a ton of it for the guys that are, you know, you know, the Deion Sanders of the world, the Patrick Petersons of the world, those guys have tremendous anticipation because of what they've been taught and what they've seen on film. Um, so that, that if you get a guy that can – can understand that he doesn't need to route. He needs need to cover the, the entire route tree uh, every down because they're not going to run every route from you know different formations, different splits. Uh, who the receiver actually is, like this guy. You know, if a guy is not a fast guy, they're not going to run him deep a bunch. So you don't need to be sitting on all the post routes, the vertical routes. Get ready to sit on a curl, the hitch, the out, the comeback. You know, so that, that I think that part of it. Need understanding what the offense want to do has tremendously helped you know me in, in coaching defense, but the guys that I coach uh, have an edge you know when it comes to you know playing. Sure, and another point that you made was I think it was with regards to Coach Snow when you were at Temple was he taught you a lot of things, and one of those things was how to effectively prepare for meetings. Now over in the UK, depending on what team you're at and what level that you're you're playing at we may not have meetings or we might have meetings just before practice or we might have online meetings um what are some of the lessons that you learned uh, about how to effectively prepare a meeting that perhaps some of the uk coaches could take away um yeah i mean so you know with coach snow he was very much you need to have good notes for your meeting Every meeting you need to have, like, you should have a, a plan for your meeting, uh, you know, days before the meeting. So we, we at Temple, we would meet pretty much every day. But Coach Snow and I would go over his, his meeting for the next day uh, before, way beforehand. So the day before, talk about, hey, this is the film I want. This is the, this is the, the order and how I want the film. And we're going to teach it from the ground level up every day. So, you know, what, 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 sometimes guys make mistakes with, with coaching, doesn't matter what level, 
is that we don't talk about the fundamental part of what we're teaching every time. So once we get to a certain level, all right, we'll just kind of skip past that part again. Now with, with Coach Snow, it was, okay, stance and, everything started with a stance and start and, and eye progression and keys. So we would do for every technique, for every coverage, all right, here's your, here's your stance, here's your keys, here's your footwork for a run, here's your footwork for a pass. This is where your eyes go when you progress to this. This is where your eyes go when you progress to that. This is what your run fit is. This is what your pass fit is. And then he would go into, all right, now let's watch it and let's put it into practice. And, it would, and then the next day it was, all right, what's our, he would ask the kid, what's, what is your stance? Where are your eyes? And that would be every single day. And that was something where I was a young coach, still a young coach, but when I was starting out, and I would talk about that stuff, but I wouldn't revisit it all the time. The point of what, what you know, doing that is you want the kids to speak the same language as you. So if you ask, you know, if you, if you ask one of my guys, you know, what's the, you know, how, how do you play press? First thing they're going to say is I'm in a square stance, my eyes are in the belt buckle, and I step in place to punch, to punch and release. That's how they should stay every time. Every time. Where are my eyes? Where are my feet? How do I do it? The how is a step or place, and then the punch. Um, that's you know that's that's the thing. Like I didn't know that at first, and I have completely like taken that. I think that anybody teaching any, really anything, whether it's school or football, um, should should teach things like that and just keep the fundamentals very the first thing, and then go from there. Perfect. Thanks, Coach. And last question before we move into the topic for today, which is corners and the 4-2-5 defense. You name-dropped quite a lot of very successful coaches that you've worked under, Coach Rule, Coach Snow, Coach Collins, plus presumably many others. Um, first question is, are there any consistencies between all of those coaches which makes them successful? And then the follow-on question from there is, what influences have they had on you that's uh, perhaps molded your coaching style? Yeah. Uh, I, I would say probably the, the biggest overall thing to, to, for all those guys um, is that they are very good motivators. Um, they, they understand uh, like what, how, how guys feel, what buttons to push, and the only way you can know to know, be able to do that is to really know the kid and, and the kid understands that you, you care about him. Um, because, you know, the, the, every coach has the ability to holler and scream, right? But, you know, you got to be able to have that relationship with that certain kid to know what buttons to push. And Coach Snow and Collins and Rule, all those different guys that I work with, they know exactly when and where and how to push that button to turn the kid up, to bring them back down. Um, and and you know, the other thing with those guys is they're extremely detailed um, and, and they work very, very hard for what they want. Um, you know, the hours you put in in college coaching and pro coaching and coaching in general, it doesn't matter what, you know, even high school and even youth league coaches put in a lot of time. Um, but, you know, those guys do a, such a great job of using their time wisely and being very detailed in the things that they do and teach. Uh, that's that, like what I said before, if you're teaching somebody something, they should be able to spit it back out to you 
that was the that was the standard for everything that we did and all of those different teams, different coaches. They everybody knew what the, what the goals were. Everybody knew what the philosophy was. Everybody knew, you know, their jobs and their assignments. And then you, at the end of the day, you just go out and play. Um, and so those, those, those coaches, that, that, what they had on me, that impact was, you know, being able to understand my players, uh, which helps that I'm a little bit younger and I, and I kind of not that far removed from where they were playing. Uh, but just the details that you need to have to be a, a good coach and to make sure your guys have the message that uh, they need to, to be able to play every day and, and play fast. Uh, was definitely something I took away, and I keep keep you know using it every single day. Fantastic, thanks, coach. So let's let's get into it. So you're the corners coach over at the University of Maine. Um, so just over in the UK, we might have situations where we're recruiting, and the players that we're getting are perhaps athletic, might have sport experience in soccer, rugby, those type of sports, but they might not have any experience in American football, as we call it. Um, so if you were presented with a group of athletes and you're trying to get corners out of them you know someone that you can work with to make into a good corner what sort of traits initial traits are you looking for uh, in a good corner yeah so you know when we, when we when we recruit guys you know we recruit as a staff and we do a good a good thing in the beginning we first get together we talk about per position what our negotiable and non-negotiables are for each position so some of mine for, you know, so if my, my O-line coach goes and he wants to go talk to a corner that's at his school, he, these are the things he's going to look for without me even being there. Uh, first, you have to be ultra competitive. Um, our defense at, at, at Maine and at Temple, uh, we were uh, in-your-face, press man, 95% uh, of the time team, uh, whether we were in – quarters or, or or just straight up man to man our guys were on an island 90 percent of the time so you know you have to have a certain mindset to say all right i'm gonna line up in front of this guy another play and the next play and the next play and i he has to believe that he can win that matchup every single time you know it's it's that same mindset like it doesn't matter who you put in front of me i'm gonna win and you know, sometimes it's tough to figure that out at first. Like, you got some guys that will talk about it and not really be about it. You got some guys that don't look like they would be extremely competitive and are. Um, I would say that one of the ways that we've been able to find out if guys are extremely competitive, one, you can tell in their film if they are. Um, when a guy breaks up a pass, um, you know, what does he do after the play? Does he just kind of run back to the line of scrimmage? Does he show a little bit of emotion? I like guys that show a little bit of emotion because, again, this this is a game. You're supposed to be having fun. And, you know, when you do stuff that you have fun at, you're passionate about it. So I want to see, see that. You know, I want to see that from guys. Uh, so ultra competitive is one. Um, the next thing which you want to see on film is calm feet. What I mean by that is when the play starts, when he's impressed, uh, when he's – getting close to getting ready to make a tackle, what are his feet doing? Are they just kind of all over the place and unbalanced? Or are they stepping in and replacing very smooth and he's not in a panic? Um, because those guys, they have calm feet. They're usually very patient, which you need to be as a defensive back. And 
and then, and then you know, with that patient feet, you got to have quick feet as well. Um, and so that's, you know, and we call that change of direction. Can they change COD? Can you change direction? And I go from running full speed to my left, put my foot in the ground and go right immediately. We, that is a movement set as a receiver, really as a running back, a, a DB you need to have if you're a skilled player. Uh, great hips. You know, if you be able to run to your left and then be able to change on a, on a dime and turn right, your hips better have some fluidity in them because if not, it's going to take you a long time to turn and go the other direction. So we're looking for guys who have, have smooth hips. And there's, you know, there's drills to be able to see that. You can see, you know, when we go to these summer camps, we evaluate guys, we're trying to see who has smooth hips. You can tell when a kid doesn't because it takes them a hard time to turn. And there's a way to, to make that better for the guys that don't have it. Uh, but you, you got to understand what you want to live with and live without. Um, next thing for me is important is can you track the football? Um, so a lot of kids, at least in the States, um, you know, football is like a, a thing kids do and specialize in from, you know, very young ages now. A lot of guys aren't just playing like all sports. And then, you know, when they get to high school, you know, focus on football or even just focus on, you know, at the end of their careers in high school later and go to college. Guys are freaking doing football uh, all year round, all the time, training and forward and all that stuff. So that's not a great thing, I don't think, because you don't get the, the chance or to learn ball skills from different sports, like baseball. Uh, like I grew up, I started playing, you know, soccer. You know, so that that helped me with my my feet and you know, body control. You know, baseball helps you with your hand-eye coordination, tracking that little ball, and you know, tennis doesn't matter. Volleyball, different sports help you become a better football player. Um, and so, tracking the football is something that a lot of guys have a hard time doing. Um, when you get to the college level. So that's something that we look for early on. Do they play other sports? You know, are they playing baseball? Are they playing soccer? Are they, you know, uh, you know, playing tennis? Are they doing different things that, you know, are going to translate to being a good player and having good ball skills and, and being able to track uh, the ball? Um, and the last thing, you know, football is still a, a, a tackle sport last time we all checked, right? Uh, so, you know, a lot of guys say, well, corners, you, their job is to just cover. Um, that's not true in my room. With my coaching, you've got to be able to tackle. And I'm not saying you need to be able to hit like Ray Lewis or uh, anybody like that or Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor's a Virginia guy, so I like to shout out him. Uh, but you need to be able to get people on the ground. You have to have the willingness to tackle. Uh, and will is just, hey, do I, do I have the courage to stick my, you know, stick my shoulder pads in there and make a good tackle. Of course, with my head up and my, and my head out of the, out of the, out of the tackle, like we're teaching nowadays. So uh, those are definitely the, the traits that you are looking for. Sure. Um, and then moving it to the practice field, you've got your corners for your individual period, perhaps. Um, do you have everyday drills that you work with on a regular basis? And if so, what are some of the skills that you're working with? or trying to focus on during those everyday drills? Uh, yep, so same, same thing, kind of going back to that, the fundamentals of, of what we do. I like to start every, every drill with a stance and a start. Good stance, and how do we start? Uh, with, our, with the corners at Maine, we, we uh, 
slow pedal out uh, to start the drill. Um, and for our safeties, we do what's called a scooch. It's basically a stepper place backward. And all those two things are just to get uh, the, the run pass read uh, from, our, from the offense and then get into a pedal. Uh, so we always start every drill with a stance and a start. Uh, we do drills to uh, open up our hips, uh, to get our hips activated for the beginning of practice. Uh, so we'll, we'll do a drill where we backpedal, you stop, and then you run to the right, put your foot back around, run to the left, backpedal again, and then come back to the football and catch the ball. We, we include football in every drill as well uh, to increase that hand-eye coordination. Um, transitions are very important as a defensive back to be able to pedal and then open up and then keep running you know, full speed. Uh, that's a, that's going to be the difference between you know, guys that can cover deep ball and guys that you know, can't. Can they open up their hips and turn and run quickly? Um, so we, we do a bunch of transition drills. Uh, and then also, you know, we have to be able to get off of blocks. Fundamentals, you have to be able to get off of blocks. So we do a block construction drill pretty much uh, every other day. Uh, and we do that in combination with a tackling drill, block construction, and a takeaway kind of cir circuit uh, with our whole defense. And so every, every player on defense from D-line, defensive tackle, linebacker and safety we all go in a big circuit and we do uh, different tackling drills different uh, block destruction drills and different ball takeaway drills every three days while we're in practice um, so all, everybody's getting the fundamentals of how to block uh, how to get off of blocks how to tackle and how to take the ball away every every day um, so that's that's important so but as far as you know dbs we're, we're Dance to start every day. Some kind of drill where we open up our hips. Some kind of drill where we transition. Some kind of drill where there's ball, a ball involved, and of course, getting off of blocks and tackle. Thanks, coach. And I'm really interested to hear more about the uh, the takeaway circuit. Would you be able to talk through a drill or two that you you work through with your defense? Yeah. Um, so we split it up. Usually, I think it's three to four pods. Um, so we'll have the defensive backs together. It's usually three pods. So we'll have defensive backs together. We'll have the linebackers together. And then we'll have the D-line all together. Um, the drills that we run, so the drill I have we, is called a tomahawk uh, or, or the punch out uh, or the punch. So basically uh, when a runner has the ball and he has you know, his, his claw on the ball and he's on a tip, Sometimes guys will expose the ball too much on top. So what we teach is from, if you're coming from behind as a tackler, you want to go and tomahawk over top, reach for that ball, grab the inside part of it between the ball and his body, and rip the ball out. And so what we do is we have two guys, three guys go. So there's a guy with a ball, there's a guy that's going to be the tackler, and then there's a guy that's going to be the strip. So we say all the time we say second man strip. So the second man in on a tackle makes the strip, not the first man. Now you see, you'll see guys like uh, Aaron Matthew in the NFL, he, he goes for the strip and the tackle in, in sequence. Now he's special, a lot of guys can't do that, but you know, that's, that's just him. But, uh, so we'll go first, uh, first time through, we'll go and we'll come a hook over the top. Second time through, we'll tell the runner to expose the ball underneath between his ribs and his arm. And now that's a good spot where you want to punch at the ball from underneath. So it's basically like an uppercut. 
So same thing, there's a guy that goes and secures the tackle, the next guy comes in, he uppercuts that ball, punches it out, scoops it, and of course we go and try to score with the ball. Um, that's, that's one drill. The next drill we do is, is a pass rush drill. So when the quarterbacks, uh, we, we, so we basically in our blitzes, we teach uh, to tomahawk the arm as they come through and we're aiming for the back shoulder. So we have a dummy that has a ball on its, like, like its shoulder and we send a guy off the blitz, off the edge. He goes to secure the tackle with his left arm. And so this is him coming from the right of, of a defensive right to the quarterback. So he's working to the right. He secures his left hand to hip. And he brings that arm over top with the right hand to tomahawk to punch the ball out. You have another guy on the other side of him to, that goes and scoops and scores that ball. Uh, so we're working on just lodging the ball from the quarterback. Um, one of the last ones we do is, is called mirror the throwing hand. Okay, so basically what happens in this drill is there are times when you're pressuring the quarterback and you necessarily won't get there to strip the ball from him, but you're in the throwing lane. So while you're approaching him, when the quarterback has two hands on the ball, you are continuing to gain ground. Your hands are not up. You're just trying to chase the hip. But as soon as his hand comes off the ball to get ready to throw the ball, the hand that's closest to him goes up and, and is in the throwing lane. Okay, so, you know, we, a lot of guys, you know, we don't want them to leave their feet at all when they're chasing the quarterback. Of course, you know, there's guys like Michael Vick who will pump fake the ball, okay, and then guys will jump in the air. You see Mike Vick going for a 60-yard touchdown, okay? So instead of jumping, we just put our hand in the air to block that ball that's in that throwing lane and then continue to move forward to make the tackle. Okay, so that's a, a, a those are really the three drills we do as far as takeaway circuit, um, there's a couple of different variations you can do with adding like a tip drill to it. Uh, if you want to add some fun for the bit, it's good. It's fun seeing a D lineman do the tip drill because they're, of course, they're not as uh, apt to catching the ball as other guys, but um, we do that stuff pretty much every day. That's great, coach. Um, so let's move on. We're going to talk about the, the 4 2 5 defense. And this is a defense that over the last decade or so has become more and more popular um so for coaches out there maybe defensive coaches in the uk that are looking to coordinate defense and not sure what defense to run why should they run a 425 and why is the 425 uh effective yeah so uh 425 meaning of course uh you got four down d linemen uh two linebackers the mike and the will or however you want to uh, name them then you got five defensive backs, uh, two corners, two safeties, and that specialized position, which we call the nickel. Some people call it a rover. Some people call them uh, the star, whatever you want to call them. He's, in our defense, he is another safety slash corner. Um, this defense is effective because it has still what people like in the 4-3 as far as the four, three different principles on run fits and different coverages. Uh, but it has the added dimension of being able to play the spread. Um, so the spread offense, essentially, if you think about it off the top of your head, is going to be some kind of 11 personnel look, meaning uh, one tight end, one back, three receivers. And it's going to be uh, distributed 
some some way where there's three by one or two by two. Um, so with that being said, you got three receivers out there and your normal four three defense. That that guy that's standing over top the the number two receiver to the field is usually a linebacker. Okay, well linebackers don't cover very well. Uh, most of them don't. There's there's ones that do it exceptionally, but you like to have a guy out there to actually cover that guy. So instead of putting a linebacker out there that he's kind of wasted space, we don't need him necessarily all the time in the, in the run fit. We'll put a, another defensive back out there that can cover that guy, whether it's man to man or dropping into a zone. Uh, and now you match up well with if you want to play some kind of man look, you know, you got your three skills on your three skills. And then the tight ends being covered by one of your bigger, more athletic guys as a, in a safety uh, to be able to come down and match up with them. And then your linebackers, your two linebackers can kind of worry about just fitting in the box and covering the back, which the back is usually a little bit easier to cover uh, depending on who the guy is. But it, it makes it very effective uh, you know, still to you know, defend the run, but also defend those skilled guys out in the perimeter not have to be work, not to worry about a big lumbering linebacker out there trying to run with number two down the seam or anything like that. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing too I like about the 425 is the ability to, um, you know, play all the, the traditional 4 3 calls, but to disguise and to run, you know, very creative uh, coverages. So, with that nickel player, um, he can, if he's a safety, you know, you cross him, train him as a safety. He can go and play the deep coverages. Uh, and he also will learn how to play, you know, some of the underneath coverage. So, for example, uh, if we're playing some kind of version of 4-2-5 uh, and we're playing, you know, 4-3-D, uh, traditionally cover three in most people's uh, verbiage. If you're going to have the nickel, the nickel has the ability to play a curl flat, he should be able to have the ability to play a hook curl. And then if you want him to, if you want to get, you know, cute, he could, should be able to play a third, a deep third. He also should be able to run and be able to play the middle third. So he, he has the ability to play every single zone in that coverage. It's just a matter of how creative you want to be as a coach to move those pieces around and make all the zones still fit, but just use different people to do it. So you got three, three safeties know two other corners that all know coverage and can you can plug and move those guys however you want um so that that makes it very uh as a, as a coordinator as a new coach i think it gives you a, a good tool against spread offense which you know is taking over football you know now so i think it's good fantastic and uh i mean we're running out of time so one last question uh, with the four-two-five defense, do you have a, a favorite play um, that you tend to run a lot that gets you excited? Uh, yeah, so uh, when we were at even at uh, Temple, we we ran a little bit of it. Um, basically, what it is, it's it's four four and then three deep, um, which is cover three. But when you're running your four-two-five package all your defensive backs know how to play all the coverages. Like I said, you can be creative or where you go. In that defense, our safeties, they can insert at 
in every spot. So that means they could be the, the flat player, the curl the flat player to the boundary. They can insert and be the hook, the weak hook player in the boundary. They can insert and be the strong hook player to the field, or they could be the curl flat player to the field. And what that does, it's very difficult for teams to ID the safety that's coming into the box uh, late. So for, for even run fits and, or uh, pass protection, this, the guy that's not in the box, that's not in the count, is the hardest guy to account for. If you ever talk to any coaches on offense, any old line coaches, where the safety is is the hardest thing to, to, to figure out what's going to happen. Usually they look at that rotation. If the safety's down, there might be some pressure coming uh, or those, the, the front might bump or the linebackers might bump to let the safety in. You do a good job of the disguising with that safety to make it look like you're in some kind of too high look, um, you know, playing cover two or playing uh, cover cover uh, quarters. You know that that's a very good and effective uh, defense that they don't know where that guy's coming from. And if you look at some of the old Seattle Seahawks film with a Cam Chancellor, they this is where they they ran a lot of that, where you know Cam Chancellor's in the box making a lot of tackles because they don't know where he is. He's, he's starting deep, and then he comes in, and all of a sudden now he's spitting on every box, every gap, basically. He, he plays from the A gap to the C gap, you know, different plays, depending on where they want to insert him. I think that's really good. And then a, a, a flip off of that is to play a version of cover two, a five on a two deep. And, and again, you can use that nickel to play him in the middle. It's like a tamper two. You can use them to play the flat and use the corner to play the deep half and do something with the safety. Uh, you got a lot of different tools to be able to do different things in the four-two-five with those two different coverages. So I, I think that's it's hard to ID as a quarterback being back there before. And it's, it's hard on offenses. Offensive coordinators hate cover two. Uh, so if you guys can, can find ways to play as much cover two as possible, you know, you got to take time to, to learn the drops, but it's, it's a really effective defense. Coach, thank you. Uh, we've run out of time um, and we've only really skimmed the surface on a lot of those things, but lots of great information that you've shared. If any coaches are listening, they want to learn more about the 425 or coaching corners or anything else that you've talked about today, um, are you able to share your social media handle so they can reach out and get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, on Twitter, my, my social media handle is G underscore 18. So if you guys got questions, hit me up. I, if we have nothing but time right now you know, with this quarantine going on. Uh, so I will definitely get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, but I, I would be happy to talk anything in football. Coach, thank you. Um, I'll let you get on. Uh, I hope you have a successful 2020 season. Stay safe and hopefully we'll get you over in the UK sometime soon. I would love that. Thank you again to Coach Garrett for taking time to talk to us. Tune in next time for another great BAFCA podcast episode.